Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. It's awesome for me to be back in the evening service, it almost feels like you come back home. Uh, this is where I almost want to say my wife and I grew up and then moved over to the morning service and it's a privilege to be there as well, but it's something about, about sharing God's word in the evening service which just, just excites me and gives me a lot of peace at heart as well. So I want to kick us off with, I don't know why people say that, but usually when something's easy, they say it's as easy as one, two, three, and then some rocket scientist along the line decided to say one, two, six. It's as easy as one to six. Um, I still don't know why, but I just jumped on the wagon. So tonight we're, we're chatting about Jesus one to six. It's actually the start of a, of a sermon series, um, which we're going to talk, about, talk through in the next three weeks. Um, but before we get there, I just want to back you up a, a day back in my life. So yesterday, someone, we had friends visiting just for a, a couple of hours, varsity friends. We haven't seen them in very long and we catch up and we chat and it's cool and we just enjoy spending time with them again and the one guy says after a while he says yo you know what has changed a lot since we last met i have to drink so much painkillers suddenly yeah i'm really getting old like i have this headaches now you have to drink painkillers for this and we start chatting about yo this guy's getting old and out painkillers and Lorraine <laughs> and i had a similar discussion just now <laughs> in the foyer and that evolved into, yes, like, but sometimes I get calls much more often and I start training and then I get sick and this whole conversation goes on a tangent on, of how quickly this guy gets sick recently. And after I left, I just realized it's a, there's, a, there's a lot of that in our lives as well. You get a headache, you take a painkiller, maybe have a cold and you take some medicine for that and every time we react on this this physical feeling of yes something's not right and and then we try and fix it and it's good god gave us medicine he gave us the technology the science to do that and that's a great thing but many times we find ourselves in in a spiritual similar situation where we're in a spiritual place where we're not healthy where we're struggling we want that something to get better and then we take this the so-called pill spiritual pill to, to fix that part of us but just like when we're physically sick what we actually not want is we don't want to be healed from a headache like this guy said sometimes he says oh this headache and then he takes the pill and then two days later he has a cold then he's not better now he wants the cold to be fixed as well and he wants that to be healed and eventually he said i don't want my headache or my cold or my ulcers or whatever to be healed what i just want is to be healthy i just want to be 100 percent healthy that's all i'm longing for and that's the truth. We don't want this one thing to be addressed. We just want to be 100% healthy. And, and spiritually, how that looks is we just want that perfect, perfect health, that spiritual health. And that, that, that is the life of God, life of Jesus. He was that spiritual, perfect health. And sometimes you might, yes, you think, God, what happened? My marriage was so great, and now I'm struggling. And, yo, what, what went wrong? It's definitely something on my wife's side, but just fix it. Like, I, I don't know what happened. And then you say, now I need to get word from God, spiritual fixing for my marriage. And then you go through your Bible, and maybe you consult someone, and then you get to Proverbs 31, and you see this is where the problem is. Proverbs 31, my wife is not the godly wife. And then you recite all those verses in Proverbs 31 of the godly wife, and then you think, ha, that's, that's, the, that's the problem. Or maybe you 
sit at home and you worry about your children and then you think, yes, what is going on? And now you want this spiritual pill or plaster for the pain which your children is causing you. And you go to Ephesians 6 verse 1 which says, children, obey your parents. And it's just like, boom, God spoke to me through the word. That is what the problem is. My children are not obeying me. And again, you're looking for the spiritual pill or the spiritual plaster to put on. But the truth is that that's not how God is. That's not how Jesus came to this world to be. He didn't say, suffer and then ask me to fix it. He said, abide in me. Become more and more like me. And that is what we're going to to have a chat about tonight. That Jesus 1 to 6 is actually a reference to 1 John 2 verse 6. Which says, whoever abides in me, whoever says he abides in him, ought to walk in the same way in which he did. Those are big words. Like, it's easy for us to say, yeah, God, we abide in you. But then to say, walk in the same way than God did, or than Jesus did. That is, that is big words to say. We can't live the sacrificial, or, or die the sacrificial death which Jesus did. But what we can do is we can follow him in his unselfishness, his love, the way he treated people. And that is this, same way in which he walked. This is what he's, what he's referring to there. And the truth is that we can't change hearts. No matter where we go, we can't change hearts. Only God can. We can't even change our own hearts without him. And therefore we say, God, we want to draw closer to you. We don't want to fix something later. We want to draw nearer to you from the start for you to come change our hearts, make us more like you. And then... We can walk in this way which you have walked. You're, you are that, that perfect life, that perfect health which this friend of mine was longing for. The spiritual equivalent of that is Jesus' life. That is the perfect, perfect spiritual life we live. And I'll be the first to put my hand up and say we can't. That perfect life, I can't live. But I can try my best and say, God, I can't change my heart to live that perfect life. But you can. And therefore, I want to draw near to you. I want to draw so, so near to you. And one of the ways in which we draw near to God, in which we say, Jesus, make me more than you, is exactly what Heinrich just spoke about. To say, God, we're going to fast. Put besides the things which drive us, which give us energy, which is important to us, or which fuels the things which are important to us. And put all of that aside and say, I'm going to draw nearer to you that you can make me more or closer to that perfect spiritual being which you are. And then I can walk in the way that you have walked. This means, oh, but before I get there, let me, let me just throw in a, a, a side story here. When my, when my wife and I just met, she's a, my wife is known to be a little bit introverted, maybe a lot. Um, and then when she gets a big fright, it sounds like this. Where Chris is. <laughs> then you know, yo, she, she got a massive fright just now. And I used to mock her a little bit on that. I used to say, oh, that's quite funny. She must have got a big fright. But then I realized like, a couple of months into our relationship, now when I get a fright, I also say, where Chris is. Like, and I thought, where the hell does this come from? Like, why, why do I speak like that? This is my ammo to mock her with. Like, I can't now start doing that. Then I'm taking away my own ammo. But that's how life works. The more time you spend with someone, you can't really help it. You just become more like that person, whether you want to or not. And you have to be very careful 
who you spend your time with. Just imagine you becoming like that person you hate. Just becoming you, you imagine you becoming that boss which you don't have respect for. You become like that person due to all the time we spend together. And with Jesus, it's exactly the same. The more time we spend together, whether you like it or not, or whether you want it or not, you can't help to just transfer a little, transform a little bit at a time and become more and more like Jesus. And luckily for us, any change towards the being of Jesus is a good change for us and will always be. And the more you're willing to share your intimacy with God, the more your intimate things will look like Jesus. And that is where fasting is one of the most powerful things which we can do. And I just want to acknowledge what Heinrich said. He said, we want to pant for God like a deer pants for water. It's not just, God, you are good enough if you want me. God, I long for you with everything in me. Let's go to Matthew 9. I'm going to break up Matthew 9 verse 14 to 17 into into two bits and just discuss them separately. Matthew 9 verse 14 says, Then John's disciples came and asked him, This hymn is Jesus. How is it that we and the Pharisees often fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus answered them, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Now, in here, there's a lot of truth, a lot of truth locked up in this, where Jesus says, what we long for, what we fast for, what what, um, John's people fast for is what they think they need. But Jesus' people, us, we, the day when Jesus has gone back to his father, then we'll fast to say, God, we want more of you. Jesus, we want more of you. And there where he says, um, the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. That is now. The bridegroom has been taken back. He's in heaven. And that, that time is now. And that's why we fast. We say, Lord, we have tasted and we have seen your presence. We have seen what you can do. We have seen the love which you give. We have experienced that. But we want more of you. And because we want more of you, we lay down our hearts and say, Lord, I'm fasting to become more intimate with you, to get to know you better, to be able to spend this time with you, to become more like you. And that's what we're saying, God, we're not going to fast like the Pharisees who said, there's something which we want. We say, we have tasted, we have seen, we've experienced you, we know you, we, uh, we're in a relationship with you, we've seen the work which you've done. I've prayed and you've answered prayers. And I want more of you. I want more of you in my life. I want more of you in my brother's life. I want more of you in everyone's life around me. And that is why I'm coming to you, Lord. To say, Lord, come with more. I only know this much about you. Although I think it's a lot. And I want to get you to know you more. And that's, that's why we approach something as a fast. Uh, together as a congregation where we say, God, we're not coming with bucket hands to ask. Bless this congregation. We are coming to say, Lord, more of you. We've tasted you and we want more of you. I want to ask for everyone to quickly close your eyes and think of a picture. A picture of how you would see God. How does God look for you? And suddenly this becomes a competition. So before you open your eyes, I'm going to put a a picture on the screen of a picture of God or a God 
And the person closest, whose picture in his mind is closest to this, you win. So you can open your eyes. Who saw this picture as God? If you were maybe as hungry as I was yesterday, it might have been close, but, but, all, but, but shouldn't be. But that is many times how we see God, especially when we're fasting. God, the vending machine. I make my sacrifices. I put in the coins of fasting. God, please this. God, please this. I want this, God. Or maybe it's not even for yourself. You say, God, there's this person in my life, my brother, my mother, my son, my friend, my colleague, whoever, who I'm really sad about. I can see this person who doesn't know you, and I'm laying this person in front of you. And then you start praying. You say, God, I'm going to fast for this person because I have a heart for this person. I have an evangelistic heart. I love this person. I care for this person. Or maybe your wife or your husband is turning away from God and it breaks your heart. And you say, God, I'm going to pray for this person. And then you say, and I'm going to fast. And then I know that something's going to happen. And because I fast, God will step in and make this change. And then we start playing the vending machine God. And say, God, because I'm doing this, because I'm sacrificing, I trust that you will do this. But the truth is, God doesn't want us sacrifice. He wants our hearts. There's no sacrifice in this world which is big enough to replace our hearts. God says, I want your heart and I want it in intimacy. I want to spend time with you. I want to love you. I want to care for you. And I want you to love and care for me and to get to know me better and better. And if you think about it, if, if Jesus' disciples fasted when they wanted something, they would have fasted when he was there as well. Because you always want something. It's always something you want. But Jesus said, they're not fasting now while I'm here. They will fast when I'm away because they want more of me. If fasting was the quick deal vending machine, it would have been fast anytime you like to get anything you want. But Jesus' disciples didn't fast when he was there. Although there was many things which they still wanted. They fasted when he's away and said, God, we want more of you. And therefore, we're not selling fasting as this quick transaction to get what we want. We're saying, God, we will sacrifice and then put that sacrifice aside. Because we just want you and we want you more and more. Then getting to the second part of Matthew 9, verse 16 to 17, it says, No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins, because if they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. This is for me one of those things where Sometimes you make a good decision in life. You say, I'm going to lay this down and I'm going to be better. Every one of us have had that commitment somewhere. I'm going to be better with this. Maybe you know someone who had a meeting with God somewhere or decided to give his life to God. And and then what he did is made some changes in his life. But he didn't give his heart to God. But there were changes, good changes for a while. For a couple of weeks, a month maybe, sometimes a year. But changes without the heart being given is, is, not, is not something which will last. And it changes back again. And that is exactly what, what we hear here about. It, it didn't say, take the old wineskins and patch them up. It says, get new wineskins. Become new, completely new. 
And then sometimes when, when we find ourselves in this situation of, okay, God, I want to be better, God says, but I want to make you new. And you say, God, I'm okay like I'm this. Just patch me here. Like, that's the only, only sore spot. Don't, don't, don't make me new here. That's very scary. I don't want to start over again. Just patch me there, and I've got a little blister here, and then I'll be okay. And God says, no, I want you to carry the new wine. I want you to be full of the new wine. But in order to do that, I have to make you new as well. And that is such a, sometimes daunting, but that's such a renewing and, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Such a new start feeling which God gives you and takes, just takes away everything else. And it just says, all those patches, all those times you had to be sewn up, it's taken away because we're starting new, completely new. And the comforting thing, the comforting thing to realize when God says new is that God's new is always better than our new and our old. Any place I am in is worse off than God's new for me. My new, my old are both worse than God's new for me. Wherever I am. Just to draw this back to, to what we are talking about the way in which we draw near to God, there are many ways, and uh, a committed, disciplined, quiet time is definitely one of them. But being able to get to God in a, in a fast is, is another one of them. And that's what we're saying. Why, why didn't we fast, Lord? Why, why would we fast? Why does fasting help me to grow closer to God? Like, it's cool to get real close to God. We, we, get that, we get that idea, and we now want to, and we want to be this new wineskins. But why, why through fasting? What does that help? The truth is, fasting is not, is not a qualification which now gets you close to God. Fasting is a process of giving our hearts over and saying, God, the things which is important to me, I'm giving to you. Because you are more important. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes again quickly. This, but this time, think of three things. Think of the most comfortable thing you know. Whether it be your couch where you nap, or whether it be your bed of meat pantoffels. Yes, like, if I could come here tonight in pantoffels, I would have. Because pantoffels is lacquer comfortable. So think of the most comfortable thing you can think of. And now think of the most powerful thing you can think of. Whether it be a strong person or a machine or an elephant, whatever the case may be. What's the most powerful thing you can think of? And then think of, of any door you can escape through. Anything you can escape through, a door or a gate. Now you, you, you probably now have three images. Now the fourth one is think of spiritual perfectness. Now that should be the hardest one to think of. And you can open your eyes. If you think, and there's not a picture on the board of how spiritual perfectness <laughs> looks like. But the fourth one is almost impossible for us to grasp. We know how comfort looks like. We know how power looks like. We know how escaping looks like. But spiritual closeness to God is a very difficult thing for us to fathom. And then we say, God, this is why we fast. Because those first three things... Comfort. We find comfort in eating. We find comfort in being able to sit around the table with family and chat or at the dinner table at night. And we also find power. And you might think, oh, no, food doesn't comfort me. I can, I can survive without food. But going to work or maybe going for a cycle tomorrow morning, you need something to power yourself up. To say, God, I'm going to go do this. Or sometimes food, some, or food might be an escape for us. 
an escape of facing the reality, facing tough situations, or just facing ourselves. And that is why we fast when we say, God, we lay down all three of these things, whether it be something which applies me power, something which allows me to escape, or just something which gives me a lot of comfort. Because we want you to be able to want to give us power. When we escape, we want to come to you. We don't want to escape our earthly situations and the scenarios which get us down by going to social media or going to the, the fast food takeaway restaurant. We want to come to you, Lord. And that is one of the aspects of fasting which we say, God, thank you that you can replace comfort, power, fasting, uh, uh, exit strategies in our life with us just being able to come to you when we say today we lay down food and we come to you every time we're hungry. The second one is what I referred to earlier when I referred to my wife and I said the more time you spend with someone, the more you become like someone. Brown quickly touched on it in the beginning. If you pray every single time you're hungry on a fasting day, you're bound to pray more than you would normally have prayed in a, in a normal day. Praying is, is talking to God. It's that spending time with God. And without you being able to help it, you're spending time with God. Without you being able to help it, you're changing a little bit at a time. And without you being able to help it, you become a little bit more like Christ. And we spend a fast day, which might become a fast week, which might become a couple of fast days within a couple of weeks. And slowly but surely, we mature into the, the image, the spiritual perfectness, which is Christ. So I have a friend in Zimbabwe, a lot of you might know Ludwig, who we usually mission to. Ludwig is currently busy with a 21-day fast. No jokes. He just drinks, drinks milk when the sun goes down. That's all he does. And Ludwig does not ask God for one thing other than, God, show me your will. 21 days. It's the only question. God, show me your will. And that is growing closer to God. Every time he's hungry... Every time he does anything, every time he feels like, I cannot go to town now because I don't have the energy. He says, God, show me your will. And he emerges from a fast like that the previous time. And, he st- and God tells him, go to Arari, start a new church. And he just says, yes, God. And he goes and he starts a church. And that church is two weeks old, or two months old. And now he's in a 21-day fast again. And God say, God, show me your will because he wants to know where to take this church. Super drastic 21-day fast. I will have respect if anyone here tries that. But the truth is, God shows us His will when we become more like Him and we approach Him in that fast. And then thirdly, when we do fast, it's almost like we renew our physical needs for spiritual needs. We say, God, I hunger for, and then you can complete the sentence with anything of food. I need to go exercise because that's when I clear my mind. Or whatever the case may be. But God says, let me clear your mind. Because I don't just clear it. I renew it. I completely come in and renew it with my will for you. And therefore, we're taking the physical needs which we think we have. And we boil through the emotional needs which we actually do have. The things which we can't go without. And here God comes and he says, allow me to do that exchange for you. Take away what you think physically is important and let the spiritual needs come through and we evolve to be more and more like Christ. I just want to end off with a, with a summary of, of three things which we learn in Matthew, in Matthew 9. 
The first one is, the reason we fast is not the same as why the Pharisees fasted. They, they thought they, they know what was going on. But we're not fasting because we want something or because we have a transaction of God. The vending machine numbers are being typed in. Just, just imagine a disappointment if you fast all day and then a packet of chips hangs there on that stupid thingy there at the end and it doesn't drop. And that'll be a massive, massive uh, disappointment. But the truth is we don't fast for that. The reason we fast is because we have tasted God. We know who God is. That's why we're here. We have a relationship with God, but we are not satisfied with the relationship we have. We want more of God. And we will always want more of God. And we declare, God, we are coming to have more and more of you. And the second point says, we are not called to be better. We are called to be completely new. Yo, that's, that's such a difficult mind shift for me to make sometimes. God, make me better. And God says, no, I'm not going to make you better. I'm either going to make you new I'm not going to make you anything. I want to make you new. And I just go, God, but make me better. Look how far I've come. Look about everything which I've done. Look at how my quiet time has grown or whatever the case may be. I have attended church seven, seven Sundays in a row. And God says, I don't want to make you better. I want to make you new. And I want to set this challenge out to pray this prayer tonight or tomorrow morning, which says, God, make me new according to your will for me. That's a bold prayer to pray. Make me new according to your will for me. And the third thing we learn in, in Matthew 9 is we are set apart from this world. How this practically looks is, let's say we, we do our fast tomorrow. For some reason, there's a, what they call a fast um, tattletale at my work. Because every day I fast, someone brings pizza or cake or something to work. I'm not really sure who the tattletale is, but it really works like that, like no jokes. And then every single time, I think the, the thought comes up, yo, okay, but maybe I can fast tomorrow. <laughs> like, or maybe I should fast half day and then next Monday, half day again. But the truth is, we are set apart to be God's children. We are set apart to say, while everyone else is grabbing that coffee and while everyone else is enjoying the food, we are saying, God, renew me and renew me today. Make me more and more like you. And then the thing I fear most, which is probably the best thing which can happen ever, is someone asks you, Yaki, why aren't you enjoying the pizza? You are, that's my biggest fear. No one should ask me that because then I must say I'm fasting and then I have to explain. No, it is a Christian church, but we do fast and, and all those kind of funny things. Oh, wow, what a testimony saying that I surrender my life to God. I want to be more like Jesus and therefore I've surrendered my day to say I'm not eating today. I want to be more, become more like God. I want him to change my life and this is just one of the ways in which I'm inviting him in to make me more like him. This was my mic. Man. What a cool testimony if someone should ask. Not a thing to fear at all but we are set apart from this world and tomorrow, when we do embrace this fast, let us remember that. Let us remember that every time we feel that hunger, we are set apart. We're not from this world, although we're in this world. 
to proclaim God's name. And we're going to do that by becoming more like him. Not asking for any, anything else, but to become more like him. If you don't remember any one of these three points, the following summarizes it quite well. We do not fast for what we can get out of it. What we do is we fast for who we can become out of it. I'm going to say that again. We're not fasting for what we can get, but we are fasting for who we can become. And that who is Christ. We can become as close as possible to Christ. We can never be Christ, but we can say, God, we long to be as close as we possibly can to you. And then we don't need that, those plasters and those patching up of the wineskins because then we are renewed. We are the new wineskins. We are completely what Jesus intended us to be. We can do exactly what he wants us to do. And we say, God, thank you that we don't have to ask for those plasters afterwards anymore and the pills and everything to, to treat this symptom and that symptom. But we say, God, we are here for you. We have transformed according to your will. And now we have that spiritual fullness which we have been longing for and which we've seen in so, so many, lacking in so, so many places. We do not force for what we can get, but, but for who we can become. And how does that who look for you at the moment? How does that look for you when you think, sure, I still need to grow here or I still need to grow there? And these are, these are the things which I need to lay down in front of God and say, God, for me to become more like you, this thing is standing in my way. Sometimes it's something very, very practical. It is just, God, I need to get to my quiet time more. Sometimes it is something which you need to get to less and say, God, this thing is standing in my way to spend more time with you. But this thing is completely out of your will and I lay this down. But the truth is we're not aiming to get anything out of a transaction with God. We just want to become more like Christ.